Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Portside Perspective podcast by Port Strategy and Greenport, where you'll hear the latest in the port and shipping industry. This time we talk to Jake Storey, CEO of Haven Dredging, who talks to us about its new port dredging technology, the Tiamat system, which can save on both cost to the environment and on port maintenance. I think the thing that I'm most interested in finding out about today is, you know, why why did the Port Authority decide to, to take the step in developing its own dredging technology? It's a very good question. It's really sort of a force of necessity. We're not a large Port Authority. I mean, normally our revenue is around £30 million pounds a year, and we're heavily dependent on traffic coming to Felixstowe, which is the biggest container ships in the world. So we have to make sure that we've got uh, the appropriate uh, sea access, which is uh, part of our statutory responsibilities. But we were spending about 20 to 25% of our turnover on maintenance dredging, which is fine because that's what we're here for. But we were also uh, undertaking, uh, at that point in time, looking to undertake a major uh, capital project to deepen the harbour and the sea access. So currently we have 14 and a half metres of sea access and now, as of August, we'll have 16 metres. And that means uh, the level of dredging and accretion would increase roughly about 20%. We're not 100% certain, but the models are 20%. And we have a high level of siltation naturally, as we are at the moment, about two to three million metric cubes a year, which is quite high for a UK facility. And our disposal site, offshore disposal site, 16 miles away. So it makes it very, very expensive because of the volume of material, but also the distance. If our disposal site had been a mile offshore, we may not have even thought about this because it wouldn't have been so such an issue from a financial perspective. So I was speaking, this is in 2019, 2020, well, actually in 2019 was up our harbour engineer, about what can we do to uh, manage better our maintenance dredging costs. And we had done things on how we procure it and things like that, which was very, very good and reduced about 10 or 15% of the cost. But he said he had this idea where we didn't actually need to use a trailer and we could just use the tide and the currents in, in the harbour. So we have a, a tidal range of three to four metres, depending on the tidal cycle, and about just below one knot of, of, of current. So uh, he had trialled it using a, a trailer when one of the uh, trailer hop, uh, hopper suction dredgers uh, came in uh, and just sidecasted the sediment to see where it would go. And he saw that it actually went out of the harbour. Yeah. Which is exactly what he wanted because it didn't mean it meant the trailer didn't have to go offshore. Uh, and then he thought, well, do I really need a trailer? Because it's very, very expensive. They're a very sort of sophisticated uh, bit of kit. And he thought, well, I actually don't need a trailer. And then that's where he came up with a, a design. And we approached some marine engineers who sort of designed it for us. Uh, we had our first trial in March 2020 on one part of the harbour. And the surveying work went well in terms of what happened to the sediment. And then on the second trial, we got Natural England and Environmental Agency on board and uh, HR Wallingford in terms of documentation of the modelling of uh, what happened with the sediment and really some sort of hydrographical reporting. And we got Royal Haskonian to do an environmental impact assessment. We didn't need to do a EIA because we had the powers to dredge, but we felt that it was the right thing to do to be a trust port and, and engage with those two environmental bodies. 
one of the concerns that they had is that we've got mud flats and two rivers that come into the harbour. We're like a Y shape with two arms coming and the, the, the apex is the harbour. So we've got the River Orwell and Stour coming in. And we have a requirement under a previous capital dredge that was about 20 years ago in 1998, well, actually made 25 years ago, 1998-99, where we have to do beneficial placements up these two rivers to ensure the mudflats don't get depleted. So they were concerned if we're using the tear mat, would, would it actually deplete or saturate the, the mudflats, which is equally as bad. Uh, and the, the LIDAR results seem to indicate that that wouldn't be the case. It actually just, it will naturally do what, well, it will naturally do what we actually have to do by trailer. So currently at the moment, we have two small trailers that go up the rivers to um, uh, do beneficial placements. So longer term plan is to get rid of those. But to come back to your question, it was to reduce the cost of dredging but also it enabled us to make significant impacts in reducing our greenhouse gas emissions uh we harwich haven is a, a sort of unusual port authority that we have no land assets in terms of ports or terminals we don't operate ports and terminals which a lot of port authorities do we don't so all our greenhouse gas emissions come from either our pilot launches to take pilots to board vessels and disembark them, or from dredging, maintenance dredging. So uh, I would say 80-90% is actually from maintenance dredging. And using the tear mat here, because our disposal site is so far away, it saves on a light-for-light basis about 65% of, uh, of greenhouse gas emissions. Wow because you're not going out with a big vessel which is heavily laden out to the North Sea, 16 miles out and 16 miles back. You're using a small workboat, about 25 metres, just poodling around the harbour. Yeah, so much better, isn't it? Excellent. Well, you know, I just, um, I'm quite impressed, obviously, just coming up with the idea and then progressing it to this point. And, you know, we're saying, you know, am I right in saying that's about four years? It's four years. I mean... One of the benefits we had is we, we do a lot of dredging. Uh, we had an area where we had the powers in our acts and orders to do this. So even though we engaged with other bodies, we, we had the authority to do it. So it was quite easy for us to sort of uh, innovate in our back garden. I mean, people say you play in your sandpit, we played in our mud pit type thing, yeah. uh, and, it, and it worked. And uh, our sediment is it's always normally relatively new sediment coming from the North Sea. So there's no issues about potential contaminants and stuff like that. And we do sampling of that. So that wasn't any issue for us. So the real concern would be to if it would smother mud or create silt that goes onto beaches and stuff like that. And again, our studies and in, in, in the trials we did do, the, we, we didn't find any indication of that. It, just, it either stayed in the harbour in certain areas or went out of the harbour uh, on, on the tide into the North Sea, which is very muddy anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's excellent. And so just going you know, along the, you know, chatting a little bit more about that, um, just give me an indication as to what TMAP kind of does out there that, you know, other dredging solutions um, wouldn't do on the market. You know, what, how does it, how does it, how is it unique? You know, what are the... the yeah, I mean, it, it is very, very simple. Uh, yeah. It's so simple. I often thought, why didn't someone else think of it? And uh, we've got 
patents around the well, 85 patents have been granted already we applied worldwide for patents so there's indications there's nothing out there certainly from a technological perspective that's uh, been sort of invented and patented uh the other i mean the only real innovation in the dredging industry in the, in the last 20 30 years has been water injectors and in a way this leverages off what a water injector does but it's figured is it's different from how the tier mats configured configured for one thing so on a standard water injector all your pumps and the equipment is on the vessel which means you tend to have to have a quite big vessel or to uh, deploy water injectors and then you have a like a steel arm that goes a bit like an inverted staple that hasn't been used beneath the vessel that comes down which has all the water uh, water bars and water injectors in it and what that does it creates a sort of a, a fluffy layer of, of, of dense material or relatively dense material and it tries to move to less dense areas or deeper water and water injectors can be very very effective in lots of locations for us the deepest area where we're dredging was the deepest area so it had nowhere for water injectors to go so we had used over the years water injectors in deepest areas and it didn't really do anything apart from fluffing stuff up one or two meters and then it comes back down again so that didn't really work um, we talked about the trailers and the challenge with the trailer suction hopper directors and the cost of that but that's where we're different in that we're using water injectors but with the pumps on the device beneath the vessel and the significance of that is mainly that you, you can use standard work boats, either sort of like a shoal buster or a multi-cat. So we've used something from 25 meters to 33 meters. The ideal one is about 27 meter work boat. You don't need a great deal of configuration to the work boat. So there's lots more plants available as opposed to a bespoke dredger. And you don't need a big work boat to go down to the depths that we need to go to. Whilst if you had a water injector, you would need a deep one, even if it's uh, a big, big vessel, even if you are able to make it effective. And the big other difference is the flume and pumping it up the water column. So you're not reliant on a density current or trying to find deeper water when there may not be deeper water or the deeper water could be the berths, which you want to keep clear anyway. Yeah. You don't want to turn them into a sump because then you've got to clear the berths. So we can use a flume of about eight metres. Uh, different locations can use different uh, sizes. I think it was trialled in Rotterdam recently and they were using a 10 metre flume because that's where they wanted to put it in, into the water column. So for us, it was just leveraging off the tidal flow and current and we call that sort of dredging with nature it's sort of you don't necessarily need to take it out uh to in a, in a trailer having said that we will still use trailers so we currently use anything historically before channel deepening is about four or five trailer campaigns a year potentially that would go up to six with the deeper water but also most probably picking up more sediment and as a combination of that, it'd be a lot more expensive. So what we're looking to do post-channel deepening is to use trailers perhaps two or three times a year. Okay. And then intersperse that with using the tear mat because it can take the silts away if it's in the right part of the harbour. And if it's uh, still stays there, what has happened is any sediment that remains behind, the, the sheer strength of the sediment is really, really 
significantly reduced. It's down below the 50 pascals. So it's, it's just, it's, it's very, very navigable. So we can live that between trailer campaigns or we've got a, a ver- our own version of a plough, which we call a custard pusher, okay. to, move, to move the sediment because the sediment is not sticky because normally you use a plough when you've really got sticky high ridges and you want to flatten them off and stuff like that. It's a bed levelling. This uh, device we call the custard pusher, we're just moving some very, very, uh, bakery, some liquid mud and just moving it into the area of the harbour where it's fast flowing and just goes out the harbour. So that's why it's, it's just found a gap in the marketplace, which for, for some reason or another just hasn't been filled. I think partly because it's very hard for ports to innovate because most ports are very, very small. And uh, I think with any form of industry or business, when you're focused on delivery results and performance and KPIs, it's very hard to come away and say, I'm going to invent something new, which potentially could undermine your existing technology. Yeah. So I just think we found a sweet spot. We have a combination of me as a CFO who was willing to invest in it. And a harbour engineer had a, sort of a, a good idea, which we were fortunate enough to get patents on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's wonderful. Um, being able to think, you know, number one, have the opportunity to think outside the box, mm. funding to do so. Um, as you say, you know, sometimes there's lots of stakeholders involved as well, which sometimes makes a bit of progress a little bit more difficult or a little bit more slower to come by, perhaps. So that wasn't as, <laughs> as much. No, you, 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 you're right. I think, I think we just, I think it was the people involved in the project and then also sort of luck because I've been mean, speaking to other ports and other ports in different parts of the UK, for example, have different bodies involved in permitting because we had the powers in our acts and orders as a trust port to dredge. We didn't have to get the formal approval of anyone. Other people would most or may have to go to the MMO or other sort of uh, local bodies. I imagine if that had to been the case for us, it may not have happened, or if it did happen, it was over a much, much longer period of time. Having said that, we took ourselves through a robust process to make sure we were doing things correctly and we could sort of validate the results and stuff like that rather than just mark our own homework. Absolutely. No, it absolutely makes sense. So Get into the real nit- nitty gritty in terms of the environmental benefits then that the TMAC can offer. We've touched on mm. we've touched on this already, Jake. Um, mm. Just you know, just in a nutshell for you, you know how how can dredging with TMAC you know offer a more environmentally responsible solution? Well, it's several fold. I mean, some of it's in the future, and I'll, I'll come on to that. But the immediate one, as I said, if we're replacing a a trailer campaign, we're immediately reducing our greenhouse gas emissions for that dredging campaign by 65%, which is a huge, huge step. With a smaller workload as well, we think it's more likely that we can do that and still be within a decent cost envelope uh, of using, say, a transition fuel like HVO. We use a HVO, recycled HVO, on our pilot launches. So we're looking to do trials later on this year and using the TMAT and using HVO because then you're reducing 
uh, potentially uh, greenhouse gas emissions by up to about 95% on a like-for-like -like basis. Then you've got the other angle, which we touched upon. Here we've got beneficial placement obligations. So instead of employing a, a dredger, which comes from a, the continent, most probably all the part of the UK, to take sediment up our rivers, we can use the, tediment, uh, the TMAT on, on a flood tide and get it up the rivers. So we're keeping sediment within the estuarine system, which is very, very important in terms of, of uh, the environment. And then, so thirdly, future-proofing is we actually of the opinion that you're more likely to get a carbon neutral uh, dredger uh, through something as small, i.e. a workboat more likely to go, uh, come hybrid, come electric. Uh, fuel sources may be easier to supply because of the, the, the lower level of fuel consumption. So we think the combination of those factors uh, actually give us the environmental credentials. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you've been really good with demonstrating all of the facts and figures in terms of mm. environmental savings already. So I guess, Jake, what, what lessons do you feel have been learnt in developing the dredging technology? Um, you know, that you feel that you could offer some words of wisdom and impart some of the sort of learning process to other, you know, to other ports and, and terminal operators out there. I think the, I think it is to look longer term, and we, we we did take a risk, but it was a small calculated risk. So the first trial uh, cost us four hundred thousand. Uh, so if we failed, we failed small, and we failed quickly. So that was very very important. And I think for us, it was dredging is so significant as a cost expense. The trade off between failing and success was asymmetrical in a positive way if we got it right we could save millions and in a way we we created an environment where we could bootstrap this uh, this development and these trials over the years so i think being able to do that without having lots of third parties involved who could make it time consuming i don't mean not following a good process but we could drive at our own speed which was very very fast Let's quickly do it. Does it work? Okay. So we did the first trial in March. We did the second trial in, in October 2020 with uh, ad adaptions to it. So we, we, we looked to move quickly. But what we were finding, which again was in a way reinforcing our, our, our speed and direction, was it was reducing our maintenance dredging costs as we we're doing the trials. So we were actually weren't out of pocket. Our maintenance dredging bill was coming down as a consequence yeah. of using the tier maps. So I think it's actually sort of thinking beyond your current year budget and, and looking to see what's important. And I think the challenge is for other organisations is where dredging is important, but not say like us, where it was such a huge, huge expense and we had to get it right. Yep, that absolutely makes sense to me. Nothing better. Did that answer? Did, did that answer your absolutely. question? Absolutely. Well, there's nothing better than than a, a trial, is there? It's actually you're demonstrating mm. the proof of the pudding while you're actually, it's mm. actually taking taking place. So I think that's that's great. Okay, so we you you mentioned you touched a bit earlier upon the port of Rotterdam, and our yeah. next question was going to ask you about the technology and if it's been trialed or picked up by any other. Uh, ports or terminal authorities that you can tell us uh, 
end of last year, we had very, very short trials in Rotterdam and Hamburg, and they were trying to resolve sort of different dredging problems in different parts of the harbour. We're still waiting the full results, but we, what we've seen is that where there's strong tidal flow, Tiamat will move sediment. Yeah. So uh, that really reinforces what we have here. Because I mean, Tiamat is, doesn't can't break the laws of Newton's laws of physics. So if there's a lot of energy in the system, it will move sediment. It will move uh, silt and, and, and clay-like uh, much further distances. We're talking about miles and kilometers, depending on the tidal flow, as opposed to uh, anything that's sort of more of, of a sandy nature. Again, being bigger grains, they won't move a great deal. What is did indicate in all locations that uh, where sediment was left behind, uh, the actual uh, shear strength of that sediment was just really dismantled, really. It seems to change the chemical bonds of, of, the, of the silt by pumping the water continuously, pumping the silt continuously with water and, and, and breaking those bonds. What we've learned from it is really trying to understand what the port is trying to do or the location trying to do. Is it trying to create uh, navigable mud? Or is it trying to move sediment, i.e. is it going to try to replace a trailer campaign? And again, is it trying to uh, use a tear mat in comparison to using a, a plough or, or a water injector? So we're looking to do further trials in Rotterdam later on this year. We're in discussions with them. And we're looking to do trials of the tear mat in, in other UK ports in, in the autumn. And we've had initial discussions with them and the problems they've had is primarily with their berths and they've been using water injectors on their berths. They can't use trailers. Well, they can use trailers, but it is so, so expensive. These are locations on the Thames where the, the actual location of disposal site is, is on the land, which is very expensive in certain areas of the Thames or out in the English Channel. And it's just, it's more than 16 miles. It's very expensive. What they're finding with the water injector is exactly the same thing we had. The berths are deeper than the surrounding uh, river and it rises and it gets compacted. Yeah. And uh, what's happened is that the, the effectiveness of the water injector has been eroded over time. So again, we're looking to trial the Tiamat by again using the Tiamat on the ebb tide, get it up the water column, and then the silt will get moved further downstream. Okay, Lot, lots of exciting things going on there. I like, mm. I like the way that it, it seems to be, the technology seems to be transferable, doesn't it, to, to smaller ports and terminal operators, to the much larger concerns such as Rotterdam with the, with the multiple berths. Mm. the different you know the, also the way that it's translatable between the different requirements of ports and terminals and, and their, their channels so i think it is adaptable i mean our, our patent yeah. is quite broad so we've got a tier mat that's sort of scaled for us uh it can be scaled larger or smaller uh, it will have an impact on the type of work boats but the principle remain the same it really depends how deep the water you want to use it as so it's it's it's, it's a, a, a adaptable technology, and again, it's it depends what dredging problem you want to uh, solve. Yeah. 
And for us, it, as I said before, it won't solve all our maintenance dredging. We still use small water injectors on our, our jetties because the TMAT's too big for the version we've got. And a small, cheap and cheerful, very, very tiny water injector does a trick. We'll still use trailers, but we can change the mix of it. So it comes, it's basically a, a new dredging technology that sits alongside and sometimes it can replace and do better than a water ejector and sometimes it can be better than a, than a trailer. Yeah, It depends on the circumstances. A, a great tool to add to the mm. toolbox. Yeah. 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 Um, yes, it's not going to make uh, trailers redundant. It's not going to make water injectors redundant, but it will take business away in those places where it's either too expensive or not available plant or... Uh, for one reason or another, that technology is not as effective. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So just, you know, you've, you've told me about, obviously, the, the wonderful trials that are going to be taking place this year. Mm. What's, what is next on the, the game plan for, the game plan for, for Tiamat and for Haven Dredging um, for this year? We're looking, we're looking, well, the main focus is to get trials back uh, in the UK uh, this year. Uh, further trials on the continent back in Hamburg and Rotterdam, uh, more detailed trials of the very, very short trials, which uh, showed positive results, but uh, need to understand better what type of problems they're trying to solve. Yeah. We're also engaging heavily with the US market. So uh, the, the US Corps of Engineers will be coming to Harwich in the autumn to see the Tiamat in action. And they will be reporting back. This is their what's called ERDC, e the Engineering Research Development Centre in Wittsburg. Two of their scientists are coming over to see the TMAT in action in October. And they will be producing reports of how it could be used in the US with the goal of uh, opening up uh, US contracts to accept TMAT technology in certain circumstances. Excellent. So at the moment, they say uh, the US Corps puts out tenders saying, I want a trailer, I want a cutter, I want a backhoe, or whatever. And alongside that, they can say, we will accept a, a tier map, for example, in certain situations, depending on the dredging problem they're trying to resolve. So that's the goal is to open up the US market. We will be setting up a, a US entity this year and looking to enter into our first arrangement with a, a US dredging company later on this year. Wow, it's exciting times, Jake. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think that's excellent. Is there anything else you want to you add to that? Well, we, we're getting patents around the world, so we are speaking to the Chinese Dredging Association about the Tiamat, and we're going through a technical review with them on uh, the the device and how it could work and how it could work in China. So we're doing that. Uh, we're speaking to parties about uh, its application in India. It was me. I appreciate the time that you've spent talking to me today. No, not at all. No. It's been My it's, pleasure. It's, it's really exciting technology. So good luck with everything. Yes, we could go to the next stage. That's uh, the challenge. Yeah. 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 And uh, I'll look forward to picking things up again with you, hopefully later in the year. Okay. You're welcome. Bye. Yeah, please. A big thank you there to Jake and Haven Dredging for their time. For more information on Haven Dredging's Tiamat system, please visit www.havendredging.com. Thank you for listening to Portside Perspective podcast by Port Strategy and Greenport. Follow us to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.